This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Alexis Pree. She's an Eagle Scout who proudly wears the shoulder patch of her patrol, the Dangerous Cupcakes. Lexi is a founder of Boy Scouts of America Troop 1075G, based in Delmar, and she is the troop's first girl to earn Boy Scouts' highest rank. Lexi and her patrol mates chose the name Dangerous Cupcakes to show their feminine side, but also to show they are strong, independent females. I'd like to hear how it is you became a Boy Scout. So my journey actually started when I was very young. My brother did Cub Scouts, and Cub Scouts is a very family-oriented event. And so I went with him and did many things with him And since it was like family. And so I did a lot of things. But then when he crossed over to Boy Scouts, they didn't – Boy Scouts didn't really – do family. It was more individual based. So I kind of didn't get to do all of those events anymore that I absolutely loved. And I watched him have all these fun experiences. So I was planning it out. I was like, okay, since I can't do Boy Scouts, I'll be adventure, which is the next best option. But one day my mom was like, they're going to open Boy Scouts up to girls. And I was like, that's amazing. Is there any possible way that I could get started as soon as possible. And from there, my mom found another woman and another young adult girl who wanted to start a troop. And Beth and I started Troop 1075G together. And from there, it's just growing. So is Beth a good friend of yours? Not really. Um, I am more athletic-based and In our troop, there's a lot of younger girls, so um, I have a harder time connecting with them. But Beth was homeschooled, and she so she doesn't go to my school. And a lot of my friends are based out of my school. That's where I just kind of relate to people more. So she's more of an acquaintance, and we work well together, but not like close friends. But here you are, pioneers together. I thought that might form a bond. Yeah. So you go to Gilderland High School, is that right? And yes. you're a sophomore there. Yeah. And that just seems extremely young to me to be an Eagle Scout. I know when your brother, we had a notice when he became an Eagle Scout, and it was the end of his freshman year. And that is the youngest Eagle Scout we've ever had in our newspaper. And here you are, the first female Eagle Scout. Tell me a little about your family. Um, what is it that makes, you know... Tell us about your parents, how, how it is they have two children who are both so exceptional at such a young age. Just like describe your parents for us. They are both very successful, hardworking, driven people. And I absolutely love both of them. They have raised us both to know like whatever we want to do and whatever we're motivated to do, we can do it. And they will be right there beside us, pushing us along and helping us in any way they need, any way we need them to and any way they see fit. And so I think having them just there beside me 
and along with my brother, they're just like, you, you got this. You can keep going and get to where you want to be in life. So what do they do for a career? I mean, is your mom a homemaker or does she work outside the home? My mom is a teacher at Shamat High School. Okay. And my dad um, is, uh, I don't know exactly what he do, does, but he works for Regeneron. Oh, wow. Well, that's certainly an up-and-coming company. It's in the news all the time. Wow. So you've got this high-powered family, and um, did it ever, was it ever discussed becoming a Girl Scout as a parallel path to do some of the same kinds of things, or was it important to um, do a, a, be a Boy Scout? My parents had brought it up to me, but I looked into it with the help of my mom a little bit, and I decided it's not the same aspects that I wanted to get out of it. I wanted, I don't know exactly what sort of changed my mind that I didn't want to become a Girl Scout, but it's, it's always just been I want to follow after my brother and follow in his footsteps, and that was to become a Boy Scout. And the door opened at just the right moment, but you must have gone into sort of warp speed because... The Boy Scouts didn't accept girls until 2019, and here it is, 2021, and you're already an Eagle Scout. (laughs) So tell us about how how you become an Eagle Scout. What is it you you do? So first you have to join a troop. So me and Beth, we made a troop. The committee was very, and all the adults were very helpful with that. They were all set, ready to go, ready to get everything going immediately. Um, but then you have to work through ranks and there's certain requirements for each rank that you have to get. And at the end of getting all those requirements and they're signed off, you have to have a scoutmaster conference with your scoutmaster. And that sort of, that gives the scoutmaster, uh, one-on-one with the scout and allows them to assess them and see if, did they meet all the requirements that they need to, to move on to working on to the next rank and achieving this rank. And then, so there's, I think, seven ranks, I want to say. There's Scout, Tenderfoot, Second Class, First Class, um, Star, Life, Eagle. So those are the seven ranks. And um, other than Scout, you also have a Board of Review, which is for your, in, other than the Eagle Board of Review, which someone from council and you need representatives and it's a bigger Board of Review. It's basically a conversation that you have with adults um, just more adults, an assessment of where you are and to see if they would also say that you passed. So it's not just the scoutmaster that's making the decision. So that's kind of the path that you have to take to like move up in ranks and then to become an Eagle Scout. So do the ranks depend on merit badges? I looked up um, just to see, and it, it looks like there are 13 merit badges that you you have to get in order to be an Eagle Scout. And yes, then you get to choose the other ones that you want to pursue. Is that how mm-hmm. it works? And you yes, need 20, 21. Yeah, 21. And you have 25 <laughs> being the super <laughs> achiever that you are. So just tell us about some of those merit badges in terms of like what goes into earning them and maybe pick out one that you're proudest of or that was hardest to get and just kind of let us get an idea of how you go about achieving that. Yeah. So there's a workbook that comes with each merit badge. So say you want to start a merit badge, you talk to your scoutmaster and they give you a list of um, merit badge counselors that you can choose and reach out to, to see if they'd be willing to work with you. 
once you get a merit badge counselor, you start looking through the requirements and doing them and working with your counselor to make sure you get all the requirements. Um, the Eagle required merit badges are definitely a lot harder because they're more life skills that you need to know. Um, some of them are like personal management. That's going to be helpful in the future when I move out of my parents' house. And then you can like, you know what to do. There's also citizenship in the community niche and um, world camping, communication, first aid, e-prep. There's a lot of them and they all have, they all just play this role into becoming a better human, a better person and growing your personality as well. Like learning along the way. My favorite merit badge had to be the climbing merit badge. Um, I did that at Rotary Scout Reservation my first year there. Um, it was very fun. There was The counselors were amazing there, and we did a lot of fun climbing, but we also learned a lot. So it was that very nice balance between learning and having fun, which I really enjoyed. So the climbing badge is literally climbing. You're climbing up a rock wall or you're <laughs> yeah at rotary they have a a four-sided um tower that has multiple levels of difficulty and you're basically rock climbing you learn how to belay and tie ropes and knots and climb it and rappel down the tower which is always really fun <laughs> wow i don't know if i'd call that fun but you said you really like the <laughs> athletic aspects of scouting that's yeah. Well, one of the things that interests me in that list that you just ran through, there's such a lot of discussion going on um, in the academic world about schooling for citizenship, because in our public schools, that's kind of fallen by the wayside. And with the current crisis in government, there's a lot of thought that people haven't read the Constitution or don't really know basic citizenship. So I think you mentioned three, citizenship of community, of nation, and of world. So you have like three separate levels of citizenship that you've studied as a scout. Just tell us a little about that. So it, generally you do community, then nation, then world, because they all kind of build off of each other. So once you start with community, it basically teaches you how to be a better person, what you can do to help your community, what can you do better, and what are just some general rules that you should follow when you're in a community, whether it's your own or it's not your own. And like then it goes into like what, com- what types, what is a community? And it goes through all of that and helps you learn a bit like – What's deeper? What's what communities are you a part of as well? And then from there it goes to nation, and it's like, okay, so now you know how to be a good citizen in a community, but how do you be a good person in a nation where you may not have as much of an impact, but you can still make an impact through communities as well as on your own through other things? And that's the same for world, just on a very larger scale. Well, those are really important lessons, <laughs> and I think yeah. a lot of us haven't learned them. So when you're um, thinking, you mentioned that it, this whole scouting experience prepares you for your future. What do you see for Lexi's future, for your own personal future? Have you thought about career paths yet, or have you thought about um, what you might be doing I have thought about it a little bit. I know I'm definitely going to college and I want to get a degree there. Um, I've gone back and forth between a couple career paths, but I've always kind of gone back to teaching. So I think that's where I'm at right now is I want to become a teacher and 
because I've always loved kids in general, um, not even just little kids, but just kids. And I want to help them become as successful as they can because that's what I want to do in life. I want to help people become successful. And so you'd be following in your mother's footsteps. I bet that makes her happy. Um, So one of the things that I think is ingrained in most of us who aren't scouts is this oath that you take. Do you, do scouts still do that? You know, like you see in old movies, like you raise your hand and you, Mm -hmm. could you say the oath for us? Do you know that by heart? Yes, I do. Okay. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country, to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. Wow. That was very well felt recited from the heart. Is that, is that, are those words that you feel like you live by? Like, do you consult that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. You have like a baseline that you go to. Because I looked up some of the people, and now I can't find my list, but um, some of the people that have become you know, famous as Eagle Scouts. It ranges from like Spielberg to Gerald Ford to Michael Bloomberg. I mean, they're not just uh, political leaders. They're creative people. I mean, do you feel a sense of heritage that you belong to this group now? Does it, how does it affect you becoming an Eagle Scout? It definitely, becoming an Eagle Scout has helped me realize what I want to do what interest I have, which I think is a very creative part of the program, because through the merit badges and through the ranks, they allow you to explore different things and explore different interests that a person may have. And that can help you go through later in life, like know what you want to do, because I did some merit badges and I was like, okay, this may not be what I want to do in my future, even though I thought earlier before I actually researched it, I might want to do it. So... I thought that was very creative part of the program that they have ingrained. Yeah, that is. It's so, it's so often um, kids start out on a path without having tested it, and then you end up kind of wasting a lot of your energies when that isn't what you liked. So you're saying yeah. it gave you a chance to sample different things. Yeah. So I understand that the crowning glory <laughs> of the, the eagle rank is doing this community-based project. And um, it says, I looked up and it says it has to involve, it has to, the Eagle Project must demonstrate leadership and commitment to duty. So if you could just talk about what your Eagle Project was and in what way it involved leadership and duty, that would be great. Yes. So an ego project is supposed to be giving back to the community that you're in. And it can't be back to Scouts VSA or Boy Scouts. So I chose my church. I wanted to do an outdoor project from the very beginning, but I didn't want to do something related to my brother's project, which was kind of hard. It was also hard because it was November when I was planning on doing it. So I reached out to my church and they were like, we have bluebird houses that are very old and falling apart. We used to get a lot of bluebirds here. And so I was like, okay. And I researched bluebird houses and I was like, this would be a good idea. And so basically through the leadership part, I had to research everything. I had to get all the materials needed, make sure. And then once I had like it, the project was approved and everything was set with my church, I reached out to um, the church community and my scout troop, boys and girls. And I was like, 
this is the date and time that my project is taking place on. You will need this, this, and this for supplies. I will provide everything else. Then just show up and I'm hoping to have a good time. And then the day of the project, I wasn't really doing anything, like actually building a bluebird house. I was going around and helping people. So I was kind of using my leadership skills of being a servant leadership. So I was helping them when they needed it. I was another pair of hands if they needed it and just there encouraging them and supporting them when they, where, wherever they were in the process. Fascinating. I had never heard that term before, servant leadership. Just expand on that a little. It's leading by helping others. Is that the idea? Yes. So servant leader, there's two types of leadership. I forget the other name of the other leadership, but it's basically the leadership where you're like, you're like, go do this and this. And you're just standing there, not really doing anything, not helping them or supporting them. Well, servant leadership is like you're giving orders and you're giving like these things to do and tasks to do. But you're also involving yourself in the process and you're doing stuff and you're helping people and you're supporting them and you're answering questions and you're you're working alongside the group and not just standing and being almost like a boss and telling people what to do instead of like physically helping them. Oh, I love that. That's just a wonderful metaphor for so many things in life. But tell us about bluebirds themselves. Now, are these houses installed? They're up there now? Um, yes. Yeah, so we dug, uh, I think, two to three feet into the ground, and we put a two-by-four post into the ground. And about five feet, I want to say, maybe six feet, I think it was more five feet, um, we nailed a bluebird house into the post. And so they're just standing there. Um, the bluebird houses, I think, are... 15 feet away from each other because they have to be in pairs because uh, that's how bluebird I researched it and that's what bluebird houses are supposed to be so they are in pairs 15 feet 15 feet away from each other and then the next set of bluebird houses have to be I want to say 200 feet but that could be wrong it's like a certain distance that they have to be away from each other so like territorial, I think. I didn't research a ton about bluebirds. I just know like spacing. So I knew where to put them. So they were socially distancing before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so are, so these houses are up and have they been occupied? Do you know if bluebirds have gone into them? Um, I haven't been over to my church to see if bluebirds are mm-hmm. starting to nest in there, but I put them up in November and their nesting season is spring. So we're hoping that soonish or maybe even they already have started that they're like going to be checking the houses out and maybe nesting in them we know it takes around like a year or two or three for bluebirds to get comfortable with the house and like use it so we're not expecting too many birds to be using them this spring but next spring we're hoping that a lot more come and use them well, I know it's the New York State bird, and I know it was in trouble for a while, just disappearing. So it seems like a wonderful project bringing together different threads of what scouting's about. I'm curious, too, about the influence of the Linwood Reformed Church in your life, because I know, as you mentioned, your brother's Eagle Project was doing a trail there. And yeah. it makes me think that since both of you chose the church, that must be important in your family's life. Just tell tell us a little about what the Linwood Reformed Church means for you and your family? Um, It's definitely like a second home to me. They're very supporting and very like a family. Um, 
I went to a different church when I was younger, but when we moved, we found Linwood and we've been going there ever since. And they've been just very supportive and very helpful for anyone. And they have a great youth program as well, helping us like get where we want to be as well. And I love our pastor, Garrett. I don't know how to say his last name. <laughs> so, um, but Garrett is absolutely amazing. He supports everyone and everything that's for the good. Well, I and, think I think it's nice you uh, call your pastor by his first name, even if it's because you can't pronounce his last. It shows that kind of familial, you know, fondness. So um, what happens next in scouting? I mean, once you've reached this pinnacle of eagle, um, where do you go from here? Well, from here... Um, there's the Eagle Court of Honor for every Eagle Scout because the paperwork has been signed by the council member that was at my board of review, but now it has to go up to the national level and they have to sign everything and just say like, yes, you got it. Um, even though technically I'm already an Eagle Scout. Uh, so that paperwork comes back and once that comes back, then we can have an Eagle Court of Honor. But as for troop-based um, an Eagle Scout, the next thing that they should be doing is giving back to the troop and whoever helped them get to be an Eagle Scout. So for me, I'm going to be giving back a lot more to my troop, being there and helping them with whatever they need because they helped me reach Eagle in two years. So that's something important. And I feel like you have to show appreciation and so sh show support to those who helped you. I love your life's philosophy. So this idea of the board of review, just tell us what that was like. Um, so my Eagle board of review was a little bit different than all the other board of reviews. Cause other board of reviews are just like three committee members from your troop. Um, but the Eagle board of review, you have someone from your committee and then you have two council representatives and then two, one or two other representatives that either the, um, the Eagle coordinator chair picks or the scout picks themselves. I know my brother had no idea who was going to be at his board of review when he walked into it. But in my case, I got to choose the two representatives that I wanted to have um, participate in my board of review. So that was kind of nice. So in total, at my board of review, I had five people, five adults. And was it stressful? <laughs> um. I was nervous, yes, because yeah. I didn't know what to expect, but it's a conversation that you're having between everyone. They're asking you questions about what your journey was, what it's like, what did you like, this, then that, and it's more of a conversation. It's kind of laid back and chill. Okay, chill is good. Well, people that look at our paper, and we'll have a picture of you with a podcast, will see your uniform in all of its splendor. And I'm looking at it now. And if you could just kind of tell us what some of these, you know, I assume the sash is all the merit badges, right? Yes. And then there's a patch on your shoulder and a patch on your chest. Yes. And just so, tell us what some of these things are. On the right shoulder, you have the American flag. And then under that, you have your patrol patch. So whatever your patrol is, my patrol is Dangerous Cupcakes. Dangerous um, Cupcakes? Wait, we have to yeah. stop on that. That sounds like, because we haven't really discussed the idea of being a female in the Boy Scouts, but Dangerous Cupcakes sounds to me like a boy would never choose that name. How did you come up with Dangerous Cupcakes? Um, we kind of researched just general patrol names and 
the original name that we found was Deadly Cupcakes. And we're like, you know what? We're strong, independent females, and we want to show that through our patrol. And so we chose Dangerous Cupcakes because it's like it shows our feminine side, but it also shows that we can be independent, we can be strong, and we can be like willed. We, we're determined to do what we want to do. Oh, that's great. I love it. Dangerous cupcakes. Okay. So what else have you got on that uniform? <clears throat> okay. And then I have my sash. The sash is more for formalities. Um, you don't generally wear it to regular troop meetings, but you wear it to board of reviews and some in Scoutmaster conferences and any other event that you have such as this. So I'm wearing my sash. Um, underneath my sash, there's a pocket with a button that I have my NYLT, which is National Youth Leadership Training. Um, I have that patch hanging, but you can hang any patch that you want from there. And then I have my neckerchief on. Uh, a troop can decide whether they want to have a neckerchief or not. My troop did decide to have a neckerchief. And so Mr. Koch, one of the adults in our troop, uh, got us these very handy, with 75 on it, neckerchief slides. And on the back of the neckerchief is a phoenix, I believe, in yellow. And then and that, over that thing that you're pointing to that's holding the neckerchief is it looks like an arrowhead. Is it like meant to look like an yes. Indian arrowhead? Okay. Um, and a neckerchief slide can be anything really that just holds up the and keeps together the neckerchief. This just is an arrowhead. Okay. I don't know if there's any significance behind it, but that's just the way it was designed, and it looks good. Yeah, so, it I mean, does. It has a rugged appeal and a sense of Native American history. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt the flow here. This is fascinating. Okay, and then over to the left side, you have on the pocket, you have your um, your rank. So right now I have my life patch sewn on because I have not gotten my eagle patch, but even though I'm eagle... So I've whatever rank you are, whatever patch you have, you have that sewn onto the pocket. There's a tiny little pocket for pens and pencils that you could keep. My troop has these name tags that we use. So there's that. Mine just says Lexi Priest, Troop 1075, and the um, BSA symbol. And then I don't really know what this is for, but... I'm assuming it's for something. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have one more shoulder patch we haven't heard about. Yes. And then you have your council. I'm a part of the Twin Rivers Council, so that's what that is. You have your num your troops numbers, um, whatever your troop decides to go with. I could have a 1-0 in front of this, but we decided to go with just the 7-5 instead to keep it simpler. Um, since I was one of the people who founded the troop, I got a founder patch. So that goes right underneath the numbers. And then underneath that, you have your whatever leadership role you are in. I'm an instructor in my troop, so I have an instructor patch that I have just sewn on right there. And then underneath that, finally, we have my NYLT badge that shows that I have been to NYLT and I have been trained. If I had not gone been to NYLT and I just had been trained through a course that we put all of our scouts through, um, it's a leadership training course. You just have been like a trained patch instead. So NYLT is New York Leadership Training. Is that what that is? It's a national. National. Wow. Well, so another scout could come and meet you and sort of 
read the symbolism that you're wearing. These are all things that are kind of universal across Boy yeah. Scouts. That's marvelous. I, I have always been puzzled by military uniforms, which I assume is the same thing. It's like a secret language that people who are in the military know when they see a chest full of various ribbons and medals. Thank you for translating all of that. That's wonderful. Yeah, no problem. So... Um, just a little bit about, because we haven't touched on the thing that's kind of the center of your being a founder, as you say, um, you and Beth starting this troupe. What was it like um, to be a founder? And have you had any kind of difficulties with some of the boys who are in your parallel troupe? Or did it take time for them to accept you? Or what, what was it like to be among the first of the young women to do this? The initial founding was kind of scary because we had a meeting with um, the some of the committee members and the people that wanted to start the girls' troop, Beth and her mom and me and my mom, and then the scoutmaster for the boys' troop, Mr. Doug Kemp. Um, they were all there, and they were all talking. I didn't really have any idea what was going on. But it was kind of scary at first. But we started the troop in... There was only two of us at the beginning, so we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, the boys, thankfully, allowed us to just step in and do some of the stuff that they were planning so we could get a hang of like what to do and how we can sort of go on our own from there. Um, since then, the boy, some of the boys do still struggle with accepting that we're there and we're still participating with them, which is completely understandable because it's been just a boy boys program for so long that it's like that's all they've known since they've been little so it's it's been an adjustment on both sides for everyone um but since we founded the troop two years ago it's definitely grown a lot we have a lot of younger girls coming through right now and it's been absolutely amazing seeing everyone grow up and learn more traits and leadership traits and learning more stuff and becoming more of them themselves. Yeah, it must be very satisfying for you to have started something and seen it seen it grow. Um, do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with either about yourself or about scouting? You know, sometimes I miss the most important thing that we needed to talk about and didn't. Um, I would just say no matter what the barriers are or what you're going through, you can do whatever you put your mind to. And whether that be in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or at this moment, you can do it. And there's nothing stopping you. You can make it happen. 